Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. Cincinnati, Ohio. One more hour and I'll be home. Close my eyes and rest my bones. Can't be more than a mile or so from Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to the Hunt for Ed's October podcast, the emergency Louis motherfucker the emergency louise castillo <laughs> trade edition <laughs> i'm your host coop and i'll try to talk tonight um we've got some people on here to discuss that trade as well as you know the tyler naquin trade and maybe even a little bit of draft you never know uh we got wick terrell back on with us from red reporter wick how you doing I'm doing tremendous. I'm, I'm waiting for uh, the embers that the Reds have lit to uh, catch fire as many places as possible in the next couple of days and see uh, what burns down and what, what, what regrowth happens afterwards because we're Reds fans. That's all we get to look forward to these days. <laughs> uh, we also have Doug Gray back on with us. Doug, how are you? I'm surviving. It's, 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 it's been a busy week. And, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you'll, you'll hear some opinions about uh, how I feel about these trades. I can't imagine how busy it is for you. I mean, you only run a Reds minor league site as a part of your life, so not much I has mean, been happening with the Reds minor leagues, has it? No. That's no, what I thought. Nothing. <laughs> we also also have Branch back on with us. Branch, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. But I'm doing pretty good. Well... You kind of broke up a little bit, but I think we got the gist of that. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, I'm doing good. I'm not doing as good as Kyle Farmer, but I'm doing good. Yeah. We also have Ryan on. Ryan, how you doing? <laughs> All day at a mall here in Nashville, and so I am absolutely fucking miserable. Oh, well. A mall on a Saturday. That's I don't probably, know. Probably not a good I don't know. No, we went to uh, Opera Mills, and it was tax free oh. weekend. So there you I'm go. pretty sure we all probably have COVID as well. Oh, well they, that's the gift that keeps on giving. Sure, from today we all we all contracted it. It was wonderful. Well, in case anyone listening to this hasn't heard, Luis Castillo was traded to the Seattle. Mar- I almost called him the Seattle Marlins. I am on fire tonight. The Seattle Mariners. <laughs> Seattle Redlegs? The Seattle Redlegs, as Jesse Winker said, for four minor leaguers. Um, and I'm probably going to butcher this guy's name. Is it Noel V? Is that right? Anybody? Noel sure. V. We'll just call it that. <laughs> uh, Noel V, uh, Marte, Edwin Arroyo, Levi Stroud, and Andrew Moore. Now, no- Noel V, Marte, let me try that again, was... Ranked pretty much universally as the best prospect in the Ma- in the Mariner system, uh, Arroyo also a top five prospect, and then uh, uh, like Stout and Moore were a little bit lower. Services had Stout as a top five prospect; others didn't. But still, pretty good haul for Luis Castillo. Now, of course, it would have been great if the Reds didn't have to move Luis. Castillo and could have kept him and could have kept a bunch of other guys and tried to compete, but here we are. So, Wick, I'll let you first here, since Doug was the last one to join. Um, Give me your thoughts on the Luis Castillo trade and uh, did the Reds get a good enough haul? So I'm going to quote uh, Phil Razor here because uh, Razor equals downloads. That's true. Um, uh he tweeted last night, quote, that's exactly right. I'm not upset they traded Castillo today. I'm upset with the process that made today inevitable. Um, profound words from from Phil there. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and he didn't I, mention I, my mom at all. That's, that's, that's good. <laughs> Took a couple of replies that I think he got to it at, at some point. Um, no, I, I tend to agree. Like, it's uh, in a vacuum, it's a great deal. Like, I think it's a great deal. They got a lot of prospect depth. They got a lot of very, very talented kids. I say kids because um, – we got 
a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old and a couple arms that are still uh, working their way through the minor leagues and will be 2024, 2025 kind of air, uh, level prospects. Um, and I think we talked about it briefly last night on on the Twitter space, which is a brilliant idea as a reaction spot to, to hash out some ideas. Um, it's just the latest in the trend that Nick Kroll has been kind of working under, which is getting a bunch of 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds that are going to be a couple years off. It's it's what they did with uh, the Sunny Gray deal with Chase Petty. It's what they did in the draft, which was – I haven't looked at the numbers, but I, I assume it has to be the youngest draft of anybody this year with getting uh, Cam Collier and coming back with Salad at 32, uh, two high school kids, one of them 17, and not even in high school, a junior college kid. But um, it's stacking up a, a lot of really, really, really talented young, young prospects that – are several years away. And I think I kind of thought when the big, big deals broke earlier this winter and the Reds were dumping salary, that what they would start doing with some of the other moves they made, both with the draft and trading Castillo potentially and moving Valley and those kind of guys would be building around Jonathan Eddie and Tyler Stevenson and maybe Hunter Green and, and Nick Lodolo as well and kind of bringing in prospects who were on a much more similar path as those players. Um, but instead, they've kind of gone behind them. And they've gone uh, two years behind some of those guys. And obviously you're going to need players that have been around and be veterans when this class of 2024, 2025 kids uh, mature. Uh, Elia Cruz obviously in-house already uh, looking like he'll be kind of the, the front line of that. Um, but it sure as hell shows to me that the Reds are building something that's not going to really be a 2023 team, which I mean, that's a plan. Like I, I like that they have a plan. And they sure as hell seem to be sticking to that. But as somebody who's fucking getting gray hairs everywhere I possibly can, has been waiting for <laughs> the, the, the Reds to be good forever, it's like, holy crap, they slammed that last window shut. And, like, are they even going to give the, the uh, India-Stevenson window uh, a chance to happen? Or are they going to be, you know, victims yeah. of the next you know, wave of trades? So that's, that's my thought. I like the deal in a vacuum, but uh, the plan sure seems to me to be kicking things further down the road than I ever thought they would when they started tearing things down a couple months ago. Well, and the plan, according to Barry Larkin, would be to sign Kyle Farmer long-term, so he would be here in his, like, age 38 season. <laughs> Doug. Slap that captain's captain on his chest. <laughs> Doug, your thoughts on the return for Castillo and your thoughts in general? Well, I mean, I think that it, it sucks that the Reds felt they needed to trade Luis Castillo. Um, the idea that trading your ace, a legitimate ace, is somehow good for the franchise uh, is, from a fan perspective, idiotic. It's stupid. It doesn't make sense. You're not trying to win baseball games. I mean, isn't that why we all watch to watch our team that we root for? Well, where, well, where are you going to go, Doug? I mean, I'm not going anywhere because... I, this I, is how I make I, my I living. Watched, I have no idea why. I, I watched it. That's it. That's the only reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure Wick also makes some money covering the Reds. Uh, I don't know why the rest of you guys stick around in Vegas sometimes, <laughs> but. Um, it, it all goes into the, uh, the, the, the the gray hair gel is where it goes these days, yes. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I, I cooked a, a pizza in my, like, $800 pizza oven this afternoon, so that's where my money's going. Um, that was but, a Fucking pizza, yeah, it was a nice looking pizza. It was delicious. It was. So I'm not gonna lie. That was, that was a pizza, man. Tip of the cap. That was nice. The, the the real proper topic of the day. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's just this that baseball's in where you don't have to try and win to make money anymore. Sucks, and it allows teams to basically tank, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, and go years without thinking that. Hey, we're going to try and win this year. You know, Wick mentioned it. You know, before it's like you're just kicking the can further down the road. And yes, the Reds got what I believe is a good return for Luis Castillo. It's a better return than I expected them to get. Um, but you know, you want to be the team that is trading away prospects. You don't want to be the team that is acquiring prospects. And you know, when was the last time that the Reds were the team that was trading away prospects? Last time no, I mean, I, I, I guess it was, you know, 20, 2018, 20, 2019. Um, uh, Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I mean, so. Yeah. But you know, what happened when they when they We're made those trade. trades? Went they to the playoffs. Better. 
Yeah, they got better. They, they fired Dick Williams is what happened. They fired Dick Williams. And <laughs> they, went, they went, oh, shit, we changed our minds. Well, that's been the <laughs> biggest problem is if you have a plan, okay, let's see the plan through. But they've changed the plan like three times in less than four years, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily have an issue with changing the plan if the plan isn't going the way that you hoped it would. But I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not... I'm not going to say I've got a bunch of gray hair coming in, but you know, I'm 38 years old, and I don't—I legitimately do not remember a single thing about the last time the Reds won a playoff series. I mean, I was 1995. I, I was—I was 11 years old. I'm 38 now. That's prob- I, I don't—I don't want to wait anymore. You know, if if you're if you're 23, I get you know being. Maybe a little bit excited that the Reds farm system is great and that, you know, maybe you can dream on the idea one day that, you know, everything's going to come together and they're going to be good for a couple of years. And, you know, that's that's great. I, I used to I used to be that guy. I'm not that guy anymore. I'm old. I don't want I don't want to sit around and just have hope that one day something's going to go good for the franchise that I follow. As Chad Dotson would and, say, hope's not a strategy. I mean, let, let's let, let me be pretty blunt about this. I mean, I've been covering prospects for 17 years now. Every night I watch baseball games, double A AA and triple A, that are full of former top 100 prospects who, I mean, they're they're in the minor leagues. They're 27, 28 years old. You know, just because you've got highly rated prospects does not mean that it's all going to come together for you. Shout out to Brandon Larson. Brandon Larson was never anywhere near know, that kind I of know. prospect. I'm just saying. He was a first-round pick. Though. Well, what, 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 what was Jose Peraza's number one baseball at one point? I mean, he was a top 100 guy, but he was never... I, I thought he was number one for with Atlanta. No. I mean, he, he might have been guess. their number one prospect, but... Maybe he was their one. Yeah, being, being an organization's number one prospect doesn't actually... I mean, that depends yeah. on that organization. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I can't remember. I drink a lot. I can't remember that. Part. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's the other part about this particular uh, thing that I, I kind of pointed out last night before I fell asleep on the table because I'm so freaking tired. But like, I mean, just how quickly all of this changes. Like, yeah, like the the, the prospects the Reds got back are very well rated and regarded, and obviously have plenty of talent, and we hope it all pans out. But like. Six months ago, like before the the Reds had even begun trading Suarez and Winker and all that other stuff uh, with with the Mariners, uh, there were five other guys who were ranked basically higher than most of these guys. Marte obviously was was pretty consistently a top five guy, but like if you'd have made a trade with the Seattle Mariners to give Winker and Suarez and Castillo to the Mariners and not get any of Hancock and Kirby and, and Jared Kelenich, like like it's there's a lot of guys that that get churned through that top prospect list of Seattle just in that six month time. And obviously some of them got called up, but you know, if you'd have made, if you'd have told all of us at the end of last winter, that all of the players on the reds right now that were going to be on the, the Mariners that are right now, and that you didn't get any of the players that I just listed off of Seattle's top prospect list. Um, we'd all be going, what the, why are you kidding? How, like what, what the hell is the front office doing? And so that. That's how quickly all of these ratings can change. And it doesn't take a whole lot of time for somebody to play poorly for a couple months and be like, wait a minute, did we get the right guy? Because uh, that's how quickly all of this changes, as Doug mentioned. So it's, um, you know, I, I, I like I like the return on paper. I sure do. But once again, it's a return because you gave something away and got this back and you're hoping. And that's what it comes down to. And it's it's um, it's going to be going to be a long couple years, I, I fear. So, yeah. Um, and. Like you were saying, a guy can be tearing the cover off the ball in single A, moves up to double A, and all of a sudden the competition gets better, and for whatever reason they just fall apart. Now, one exception to that rule so far is Ellie De La Cruz, who has homered again tonight. Um, If he can continue what he was doing in Dayton at Chattanooga, now we're talking because that's a pretty big jump from A to double A, it seems. Well, I mean, let's let's just go back to the Mariners guys and what they've done this year. Noel V. Marte began the year ranked the 18th prospect in all of baseball by Baseball America. He's had a fine year this year, but now he's rated the number 47 prospect in all of baseball. 
Yeah. And that's that's with guys graduating in spots theoretically opening up in front of him, and he still dropped in the rankings. But Edwin Arroyo came in unranked as far as top 100. And, I mean, he went from a guy who was, you know, noted to be glove first, big arm. Yeah, maybe he can hit a little bit, but, you know, to a guy who now they're like, yeah, he can hit, he's got power, and he's a really good defender, and now he's a top 50 prospect in his own right. I mean, things can change real quick with prospects. Really? And, it, and, it, and it has with yeah. both of these guys. And, and, and like, like oh, I, I, watched, I, I, saw, I saw Kelnick at single A and low A. That was the best hitter I've ever seen at that level, ever. But he's struggling now. I mean, I would like him to be in this deal, but, you know, that's beside the point. But, but he was the best hitter on that field by so much in the one night that I saw him. It was ridiculous, you know. Branch, why don't you go ahead and continue nah. with uh, your uh, thoughts on the trade, too. And then we'll get to okay, Ryan. my thoughts on the Yeah, okay, good. Um, my thoughts on the trade is I'm, I'm happy with what they got. I, I was really worried it was going to end up being a very uh, Chapman-style thing going to Yankees. And the Yankees are like, oh, this guy. Because Yankees prospects, to me, are always a little fluffed up. Because they're Yankees prospects, and everybody's yeah. like always oh, like, "Oh, how did the Rays and, and the Cardinals get these guys?" It's like because you overfluff the Yankees guys. That's why, you know. And and they they're kind of just they're just pumped up a little bit too much, you know, just because they're Yankees guys. They go through Scranton, you you end up getting like five points more just because you played in Scranton for some dumb reason. Shout out to Michael Scott. Um, yeah, um, but. My take on the whole, the whole thing, you know, um, is I still don't trust the front office to not change direction and change their mind after all this. Because seeing Castillo go, he was a special pitcher. I mean, hell, I'm a little older than a lot of guys, and and, and he might have been better than Cueto. You know, I, I don't think he necessarily has much success in Cincinnati, especially when it comes to, like, you know, because the team sucks so bad under him. And Castillo didn't get the extension, so he wasn't here long enough to, to, to put the total. Yeah, he wasn't here long enough. Yeah, but that might have been the best Reds pitcher I've ever seen. Yeah. It, 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 it's I'm not going to say he is, but he's he's up there. Hey, the Reds won. And, and I'm, I'm going to take forever. I mean, watching him come up from double A. I mean, you talk about having cojones, and I love cojones on a pitcher because every pitcher's fucking nuts anyway. <laughs> you know, Literally. and he came shout up. Shout out, and Carlos. He owned. Yeah, shout out, Carlos. Shout out to Carlos. He owned that damn man. Came up. He owned it. There was. You remember those interviews of Brian Price, like, and he, uh, hell, uh, uh, Zach Cozart was like, like after his first start, was like, oh no, that's how you throw a ball game right there. That's how you do it. You know, just sitting behind him. I mean, you could even see Joey was just like, holy shit, this guy is something. And I appreciate that from Luis, and I hope he does wonderful to Mariners. Absolutely. And Nothing I, but the I best hope he goes Luis. on to have a Hall of Fame career. But the problem I'm having is the reason that people are pissed that they had to trade Castillo is because the entire country hasn't totally understood that what happened in 2020 and 2021 with the pandemic is still affecting things because the goddamn rich people are pissed because they didn't get their projected projected <clears throat> profits. And that's what's happened with the Reds. I've said it before in this podcast. They are the, the Castellinis are mad because they didn't get the projected profits of 2020 and 2021 because of the pandemic. Now, did they have to spend as much money? God, no. Hell, they got PPP loans, too. I mean, they got given fucking money from the government. Just given. Just, here you go. They don't get, give a goddamn thing back. But here we are on with the home opener this year listening to fucking a Castellini cry goddamn poor. And yeah. what bothers me is that it's it, it, it is people saying that it's wrong for us to question them. Which is bullshit. Because right now there shouldn't be any goddamn inflation. Corporate profits are at forty goddamn five percent over this quarter. 
there's there's, there's no place for for inflation. What's happening is every corporation, every fucking ball team, everything is run by a goddamn bunch of people that know how to run an Excel spreadsheet like it's cool. I I, I know they they sit there they sit there yeah, and they sit there and they want the numbers on that Excel spreadsheet to look different. And what worries me about the bringing it back to the Reds, what worries me about the Reds is that one day in the next two years, we can say that, yes, they're building up the the lower system, the younger guys. Okay, great. But what if one day Bob or Phil wake up and they want the numbers in that goddamn spreadsheet to look different? And the next thing you know, we trade all these motherfuckers for some 35-year-old has-beens. Shout Are we Mike supposed Miner. to get excited then? I mean, that's basically what went through. What will happen in the, you know, in the in the last rebuild? So I'm not giving them an ounce of goddamn trust. I like who they got, but I'm not giving them any trust. Any. Ryan, jump you know, in here. Is, there you go. What? Who's sawing? Uh, that that was me trying to get the uh, the Jimi Hendrix National Anthem to play on YouTube on my phone oh. with the microphone. And I fucked it up because it was an ad. <laughs> My bad. It was, was going to be a great It's the stupid <laughs> ads. You can't watch anything on YouTube oh, now without like 15 ads. It's annoying. Ryan. God, it was going to be so branch. <laughs> branch railing against corporations and then spoiled by a corporation running ads trying to make money. <laughs> it was a fucking uh, OxyClean ad, I swear. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> Corporate. Class. I love this fuck. <laughs> I like when uh, you're trying to watch like a two minute video and it ends up taking you five minutes because of all the ads. But anyway, Ryan, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, uh, I don't really know how to follow that branch. That was, uh, was beautiful. I was crying. I was crying real liberal tears over here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I love you. Um, so, uh, uh, my, I mean, my, I'm, I'm not going to get on the, the, what's happened in the past. Um, that's as far as I'm concerned, that's the past. It's also why I've been pretty much emotionally detached from this team all season. Um, I think I've watched, uh, maybe three Luis Castillo starts, one of them being the last one. Uh, and quite honestly, you have been uh, all my friends that follow up with me, Ryan. You've been so far removed from anything that's actually going on on a day to day basis. It's been crazy. I figured you were just waiting for Jose Barrera to get called up. Well, honestly, that's probably the only thing that would have brought me back, um, was to be able to watch him every night. But, uh, I have, I've been very emotionally, um, you know, detached. Uh, number one, my, my sweet baby boy, Tyler Stevenson, has been hurt most of the year and um my my bro has um really had a hard time really had a hard go of it so i've been more involved in watching my league stuff uh watching ellie de, de la cruz just uh in my opinion become a top 10 prospect in baseball in my opinion uh, at least that's the kind of talent that he has so uh you know, I, there's really been nothing for me to get jazzed about all season, um, other than one watching Hunter Green's first start in person in Atlanta and meeting his parents. Um, that was really great, but this was probably the only other part where I actually got excited for something that the Reds did. And yes, I'm that Castillo was traded, and still be excited about the guys that they got. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. And the main thing that I really was trying to get through to, to people on, you know, the Twitter, um, the Twitter world um, last night was that, uh, quite honestly, I'm just glad that we didn't see a screwed up beginning of a rebuild like we did in what? What was that? 2015? 2014? Yeah. In Cueto. And we got nothing from it. I, this trade, I mean, Novi Marte is, is, you know, he's a, you know, he is a very talented young man. Edwin Arroyo, though, I have, I've been a big fan of him, <clears throat> excuse me, since doing draft prep last year. Big fan of Edwin Arroyo. 
the guy is now slugging over 500 at last I saw in low A. Um, at 18. That's huge for a an 18 year old for an 18 year old kid, you know. And so, my I, I said last night, Noel Marte is a, a is good. He's great. Um, but Edwin Arroyo may be better. May end up better. And it's but it's true. Um, you know, I, I, at this point, I'm just I, I, no. Do I trust him? No. And Doug knows this because we've gone round round about it. I've been very critical of Red's front offices and how they go about their past drafting issues um, and their past really shitty international signings. Um, but I'll say this. Nick Crawl's front office and scouting department yeah. has done a, a very good job. Um, as of right now, the only draft pick that he's in charge really that I've, I've been disappointed in is Austin Hendrick. I mean, you guys were talking about how quickly prospect yeah. can change. I mean, look at Austin Hendrick. At the beginning of the year, I had him as the Reds' uh, top five, six prospect, and now I have him all the way down in the low 20s. Like, well, 28, actually. I just looked at it. I'm 28. You know, the kid just has not progressed. He's striking out at a I think 30 some percent. Um, he's not walking. He's not hitting. <laughs> uh, save for a, a hot streak at, at Daytona last year, at, at uh, I think in the second half, um, he's not been good. And they're, they pushed him through. And I and I don't really know what's going on with him. But I mean, just look at him. I mean, he was you know the number 12 pick in the draft. And he's no, he's no Alan he Serta, that's for sure. <laughs> he's not. He's not. And. You know, at, at this point, uh, you know, there's still obviously plenty of time for him to, to, to turn it around. I think COVID and not having a rookie level really kind of screwed him up a little bit. But, I mean, that, that right there is a prime example of you, you can't always trust prospect rankings because, um, you know, we're going to change. And there were some people that, you know, pushed off of Noelvi this year. And, I mean, one of those, probably the Mariners, because they signed J.P. Crawford to an extension, which then kind of made Noelvi Marte expendable, which they then used a talented and well-respected prospect to go out and get someone like Castillo. I mean, that, that's, a, in my opinion, a world-class organization. And I'll be honest, I think if... Uh-oh. You still there, Ryan? Um. Uh oh. While we while while we wait for Ryan to get back out of the um, the the cistern he fell into, <laughs> um, I'll I'll say this: if if the Reds were not the Reds and this was just a, a vacuum with uh, MLB team listed at the top, um, where they are right now would actually really, really excite me because they've done the due diligence on going young with a lot of the moves they've made to where 2024, 2025 looks like it's flush with talent that should be on the cusp of being big league ready. But what those teams would do, if you didn't know what the name of the franchise is, you'd look up and say, wow, they got all this money off the books and, and, in 2023, you're going to get the last year of Moose and the last year of Joey Votto. This winter, you'd say, wow, that team could go out in free agency and make some fucking noise, you know? And Jonathan Indy and, and Tyler Stevenson are going to be a good young core. And Jose Barrero's up, and you've got a, a staff with rookies of uh, Green, Lodolo, and, and Ashcraft to build around. Let's go sign or jump into the sweepstakes to sign, I don't know, Justin Verlander or – yeah, let's get into yeah. Juan Soto trade. Like the 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 future. Uh, how, how, how about a corner outfield that thun- a corner outfielder that thumps? That's, that's, yeah, that's what I'm getting. At. Like the point is, like they they they've got the future in place now, and they got the financial flexibility. Uh, a functioning franchise would say, "Wow, 120 million dollar payroll is roughly league average. If we push ourselves to that, which they've done before for the 2023 season, you can find some guys you can spend some money on and make the 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 now good again." It's just that who the who in the right mind thinks the Reds are going to do that? You know, so like you saying that makes me think of Goldschmidt and Arenado and St. Louis. Yeah, 
And they're not offside. I mean, that, that, that's what I think about when you say that. Yeah. Give it to proven guys that you know can do the job. I mean, Xander, Xander Bogarts can opt out after this year. Carlos Correa can too. Like, there's yeah. a lot of big names out there. You would think a functioning franchise that has got their prospects in tow for for, for two, three years down the road and freed up all this cash and say, wow, we're making a splash and we're going to try to win some games around uh, Stevenson and India and Green and Lodolo. And I just don't trust the Reds to do that part of this entire uh, organizational transaction tree. And that's that's the part that I think pisses me off the most. Um, so, yeah, we'll see, obviously. I hope I'm proven wrong on that part because that's the other side of this equation that I feel like they've set themselves up so well to be able to be that team that's the quote-unquote mystery team that goes out like the Twins did and signed Correa to the, the creative contract they got him on. Uh, the Reds should be in the position to do that this winter. I just don't trust them to do it. No, I agree. I mean, especially when you talk about – you know, the coked up fail son that is Phil Castellini and his comments and not even just the, where are you going to go and stuff, but aligning payroll to, uh, you know, <clears throat> as I lost my train of thought, but aligning payroll to resources or whatever. And the panic buying of Mike Miner after seeing what the reaction was to the trades of Winker and Suarez and, Sonny Gray and letting Wade Miley go. And yeah, I, I can't, I wouldn't trust this front office any more than I could throw them. And I mean, I would like to try, but I, I don't think they would let me toss them. Um, one other trade happened. Uh, Tyler Naquin was traded to the Mets along with Philip deal in a, in a deal <laughs> for a couple of <coughs> low minors, <laughs> low minor league players. Um, Hard to tell about the return on that one just because you knew you weren't going to get much for a soon-to-be free agent, Tyler Naquin, anyway. Uh, but, Doug, do you have any thoughts on the guys that the Reds got for Naquin? Yeah, but I want to talk about something else first. I've been yeah. sitting here waiting. Go ahead. So, I don't want to throw Ryan under the bus. Oh, geez. But I'm going to kind of throw him under the bus a little bit. Uh, He's I, stuck in the cistern, so you, you, Yeah, he won't be able to talk back, yeah, apparently. You know, I, hope he, I hope he doesn't drown, but, you know... Um, if he does. Oh, no, I'm here. I'm oh, good. Good. You can defend yourself if you want. Uh, <laughs> okay. So he, Ryan had mentioned that, you know, the Johnny Cueto trade and this trade is way better. And I, I don't, I really don't think it is. I mean, hindsight makes you think it is because we saw how that one worked out. But I mean, Brandon Finnegan was a higher rated prospect had he been eligible as a prospect than any of the guys the guy, the Reds got in the Seattle trade. Uh, Oh my gosh, the lefty Cody Reed. He was rated like 60th overall at the time that he was traded. That's not any different than being ranked 47th or 48th. And then you know John Lamb. I mean he, I he was a little bit older, but I mean is is he any different than any of the other any of the other two guys they got in that deal? Not really. Different levels. That motherfucker is just cool. <laughs> but I mean I I, I, just, I, I I just don't see the difference between those two deals other than we know how one worked out. And it didn't work out well. Did I say Cueto? I thought I meant Chapman. Well, the the Chapman deal, I don't, I, I, you know, I, I hate the fact that I have to say this because I, I've heard a few people say it on this podcast, but nobody should ever talk about that trade as something that the front office should, you know, be dinged for. That was a trade made purely for public relations. That oh, was absolutely. not. That was not a move that the baseball people made because they thought it was a good baseball move. It was a, we don't want this guy on our team because we don't want to deal with the public relations of he choked his girlfriend and shot a gun. That's all that was. They took anything yeah, they could my possibly problem, my get. Problem with Chapman, my problem with Chapman trade, I'm sorry to interrupt, but is that because in the original Chapman trade with L.A., they were in Peraza, that they stayed laser focused on Peraza with the Frazier trade. That's my problem with it is that it threw them off and they didn't react accordingly. Does that make any sense? I mean, they should have dealt him at peak value. Think of, think of it this way though. Had the Dodgers not gotten Jose Peraza out of their sister at that point in time, they never would have gotten the chance to really see what Kyle Farmer could do for them. That's true. And then Kyle Farmer never would have been <laughs> the, the prize piece of the next three team trade. The Dodgers oh lived the Reds God, in for yeah. 
Um, it all circles back so, to Kyle Farmer, basically. So you lose some, but you know, ultimately, you, ultimately you win some. You win some. Uh, <laughs> Jose Peraza just signed a minor league deal with the Red Sox this week, I believe, right? Is that what I, that what I read? He's uh, he's still plying his trade, trying to. He was with them, I think, last year too. Wasn't yeah, he? I think he, yeah. he was on the big league team a little bit last year with them. Yeah, yeah. But Doug, the uh, return for Naquin, anything worth mentioning? I mean, I, they they got two lottery tickets, and I mean, I think that that's that that's that's good for getting, you know, back or getting a deal back for Tyler Naquin, who is going to be a free agent in what two months, and I mean, he's a fourth outfielder slash platoon bat. I mean. They, they they got a, pit, a starting pitcher who has four average-ish pitches. He's far from the big leagues, but you know he's he's got a live arm. He's picked up velocity in this last year, uh, and the results have been outstanding. And then they got a guy who, I mean, let's be real, he's hitting 356 this year and slugging 558, and he makes a ton of contact. Now it's just in rookie ball, but I mean again, two months of Tyler Naquin. I, that, that was a great deal, in my opinion. Now, if they ever see the big leagues, who knows? But we're, Doug, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but were either of these guys guys that the Reds were interested in signing internationally and just didn't get? And I, they've, that, they've known them for a while? That one I have no idea. I just feel like sometimes when, when these kind of deals go by, but the down and, and you look up at some of the lottery tickets, and you're like, all right, maybe they just didn't have the extra, you know, 170K it took to sign these guys. And there were guys that got scouted and just kind of got lost in the shuffle, but these are names that they've known for a while. And when the chance to get him happens, it's almost like they're just swapping signees uh, that, that they couldn't pull off. Now I'll say this. I, I doubt that's the case just because the Reds switched international scouting directors around the time these guys signed. Right on. And so that means that the guy that's running things now wouldn't have been in on these guys. Now he was, I I think he was with Texas before he joined the Reds. So, I mean, I guess it's possible he wanted them with Texas. Um, but just the, the, the timeline doesn't really line up that they were linked with the Reds when they were eligible to sign. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, Doug. Uh, I, go ahead, Ryan. Doug. Do you have Ellie De La Cruz or Noelle Marte as your top prospect? Um, I don't really know yet. I w- My gut tells me Ellie, but... I mean, I talked about it on Twitter a little bit late last night. I, I'm still familiarizing myself with the, the guys that came over. Um, I prefer to watch video, dive into the stats myself, talk to trusted scouts that I know, um, hear what they have to say, take that in, and then kind of, if you know, if they've got concerns or things that they really like that they want to point out, I'll go look for those things while watching video myself and see if I agree or disagree or anything. And I just, I haven't had enough time. Like, I've got so much more information on Ellie De La Cruz than I do yeah. any of these guys. Right. And, I, and it just, right. at this point, I, I, it's, I it's not fair like, for me to say, yeah. oh, I think this guy's better just because I'm, I'm much more familiar with this guy. I didn't mean to jump in yeah. with the ooh, but somebody from the Angels just got hit in the head with a pitch. That's, I think it was, oh, crap. is oh, that Phil Goslin? Is that former red Phil Goslin that just got hit in the head? Ooh. Anyway, but sorry Doug, about Doug, that. That's the reason I was, I, I was saying earlier today that I, I want to wait on your end of the year stuff because I and I want you to have a large sample size, you know, to, to where you can actually, to, you know, because you're gonna I'm sure you're gonna do a prospect update soon, but that's gonna be based on numbers from other stuff that you haven't witnessed, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, for for me, I I think that it's gonna be more so. I'm not as sure with the draft picks that I'm going to include. Versus the guys that I can go back and watch. I mean, realistically, I can go watch 80 games of this of these guys play this year. Yeah. Like, I, I I will be able to familiarize myself with the guys that have been professionals way easier than say Cam Collier, who you know I can watch highlights on YouTube from him, you know, at high school showcases and maybe a few clips here and there from him at Chipotle College. Chipotle uh, College, it, it, get it right. <laughs> watch it now. <laughs> one, one of the best junior college baseball programs in the country. And Chipotle's really facts. good too, so show it some respect. Is it is it though? I had it for dinner. <laughs> well, that doesn't mean it's good. Mine was good. Okay. Fair anyway. Enough. Hey, I've got a question. Hey, Coop, I take one trade if you want it. It's yeah. Really What's your hot take? Okay. Here's a hot take on the Nate Win trade. 
Naquin is not as good as Scooter Jeanette, and they got more for Naquin than they got for Scooter Jeanette. So it's a Bang. good trade. Wick, jump in. Oh, they got about one point six million bucks off the the payroll too. So if we're uh, you're really years there, there, that's a win for them. Every time <laughs> they have aligned some payroll, some resources right there. Uh, so my, my question is because it's it's bumping up against when I got to jump off here and yeah. go, go make some dinner. Um, we know it's going to be Kyle Farmer, but who is the backup shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds in twenty twenty five? Since they have. 74 shortstop options in the minors right now. Wow. The backup shortstop. Hunter Green. Maybe they'll, re- <laughs> Maybe they'll re-sign Matt Reynolds. I don't know. That's wow. a good he's, question. He's starting right fielder, Matt Reynolds? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's too valuable in the outfield. You're right. I mean, look it up at, like, where the roster sits right now. Like, they have – I, I – you want to get as many guys who are capable of playing shortstop as possible because if you can play shortstop, you can play anywhere. But which guys are probably the most likely to move? I mean, De La Cruz, Marte, Arroyo, Barrero, McLean, like Torres, you keep going down the list. They've got guys all over the place that can play this. And in three, you would like to think that the club looks up at Jonathan Indian and says, yeah, he could be a second baseman. So you're talking about one up the middle infield position with six guys that could be there, who's who's going to be the outfielders? Like, who are they going to Billy Hamilton or Nick Senzel out of that group? And how's it going to work out? Like, that's that's what I'm trying to do the Tetris on here. I mean, I, I think yeah. that Matt McClain's <laughs> going to wind up in the outfield. One, yeah. he when you're looking at defensively on the shortstop side of things, among all the real shortstop prospects, he's like fourth. Yeah. So there's that. And then there's the fact that he actually has played outfield before. He played outfield at UCLA as a freshman. Uh, during summer college ball, he played some outfield. And, uh, you know, I mean, realistically, I mean, where's he at on the depth chart? I mean, I, I think that with what we've seen so far in limited time in Chattanooga, Ellie De La Cruz is getting shortstop spots. Um, it's It just seems like that he's the guy that they're going to try and move first, in my opinion, unless something really weird starts happening. Um, and then after that, who knows? I, I you know... No LV two. Oh my God! I can I, mean, I can speak <laughs> words. Good. Yes, me. Good words. You know, Marte, he's probably the worst of the shortstops. Um, can he play third? I mean, we don't know if he can play third because he he hasn't played there really. Yeah. But tools wise, he should be able to play third, and that battle play there. So it wouldn't surprise me if eventually they moved him over to third base and see what happens. Uh, you know, so it's kind, it's, of, it's, it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of Barrera that's like the tip of the iceberg here, right? Because we're going to see him first probably in the next, I don't know, couple weeks. Um, and he obviously got kind of like shoehorned into the outfield last year, admittedly in the season where the Reds were actually kind of sort of trying to play the best players and win games more often than not. But I guess he's going to be the first one where we're like, okay, are they going to give him starts at shortstop? Are they going to play him at third? Or is he a right fielder? that they're going to try to get out there and has a great arm and good range. And that's how that's going to be, you know, I guess that's going to be the one that kind of gets the, the tell for uh, the first guy they're going to move off so that Kyle Farmer can stay shortstop. I mean, if, if Jose Barrero doesn't start hitting, does it matter? That's true. I yeah. mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm a huge Jose Barrero guy, but yep. I mean, he is having a very tough time hitting the ball right now. And if he, if he doesn't start hitting, I mean, it's not going to matter because Ellie De La Cruz is going to pass him up soon. And, you know, being a guy that gets there first, that matters a whole lot because they don't just – if you're performing well, even if they think that somebody might be a little bit better, if you are established, they generally don't move you for an unknown that isn't clearly going to be better. Yeah. Like Nick Sindel got moved for – well, he just got moved. Uh, Scooter Jeanette, right? Yeah. Wasn't that Scooter? Might have been, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Go ahead, Ryan. That was that was, that was back in the yeah, acquire no, no. everything based on possible era. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I definitely think more. It's gonna be Marte. Um, I think Marte. I, I said it last night. I think Marte profiles tremendously as a um, athletic with power, uh, big arm right fielder. Um, I think he's just he's he's. You know, they talk about Ellie Daly Cruz, how he's going to, he might outgrow the position. Well, that's because he's just such a 
he's tall. And if he gains more weight and he gets any thicker, he just might be too big to play it. Um, whereas Novelli Marte is more stocky, um, really might end up being built a little more like Rafael Devers, if I can say that. Maybe maybe a little more athletic than that. Um, I could see him profiling well in right field. McLean is definitely, when he was drafted, I, I had him pegged as somebody who's going to move to the outfield. And, um, and then after that, I, I definitely think um, I, I just have this feeling. I have this feeling that they just somebody, somebody in the organization does not like Jose Pereira. I wonder if 2020 I, had something to do with that. Where I, he came somebody, up and just didn't hit. Yeah. And I, th- I think somebody, somebody has soured on him. And I don't know if it's David Bell. I don't know if it's the front office, but somebody has soured on him. Um, and then him getting injured this year and not hitting well <laughs> hasn't done hasn't done him any favors. Um, I, in my opinion, I, I think Ellie De La Cruz might have actually already passed him up as possibly the quote unquote shortstop of the future. Wick, do you got any and more I time, or you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I need to hop off for sure. Okay. But um, yeah, well, I, I will say I I like to I like to think that um, you know in terms of stuff that we're going to watch obviously the next couple of days we're going to see whether or not this was Tyler Malley's last start with the Reds and what they end up doing with the guys who are also going to be free agents at, at season's end. But but the Barrera story I think to me is the one that I'm going to be watching closer than anything else post deadline just because he's got to hit he's got to show he's healthy and obviously handmade injuries take time we've seen it with yonder alonzo before we've seen it with other guys that just sometimes they just don't look themselves for a while but what the reds see from him whether it's a triple a or once they call him back up and then where they play him i think is going to be the first kind of tell because if you look going into next year like if you get any sort of tangible result out of him at the big league level between now and the end of the year that's another piece that like you can't replicate that with where the red system is right now there's nobody else at AAA. they're trying to call up and see what happens but if you get Barrero up there and suddenly he hits big league pitching for even if it's just a month you know a little whole lot more about one position out there that you don't know and where the reds are right now going into the 2023 season where they've got like i don't know six positions plus a dh they don't really know a whole lot about that's one question that i think is answerable that they can't address with anybody else. And so when it comes time to watching what the big league Reds do for the rest of the year, I think that's the one thing that I'm going to watch in the wake of all of these particular trades, because it doesn't look like they're going out and trading for anybody else prospect wise. Who's going to be like, uh, Oh, well, we'll see them called up this year to see how they're going to pair with Jonathan India. Cause they're going two, three years beyond that. So I'll, I'll sign off with that, but thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it. Wick anytime. Branch, before we move on, um, what's your take on the uh, organizational shortstop depth chart and who you think you would see move positions or move quickly through the system other than Ellie De La Cruz, obviously? Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I really don't know. I do know that India needs to move off second base. Move there, him to the outfield? I mean, he's had time. I don't know if I have him in the outfield. I don't know if I move him to first base. I don't know if I trade him. Um, we made the joke today about trading him, and I'm kind of like, mm, yeah, maybe. I mean, if if, if we're going to go this young, I'm, I'm okay with trading him. Hell, I'm okay with trading Stevenson and Senzel, well, too. Well, I mean, uh... I know, I know, I know. That hurts. <laughs> I, I get that that hurts. But if you, I guess, I but guess if I, if you're gonna go gonna all in, go all in. The plate anyway. I mean, I would. Yeah, no. I would like to see Stevenson have a couple of years of uh, health. health behind the plate before <laughs> saying, "Hey, we ain't gonna try to do anything with him." I'd like to or see him at first base. Try but to that's me. Away and get a lot, get a lot right now while he's valuable. You know. Yeah. So, uh, but but it's obvious that India cannot handle second. And I don't know if that's going to end up being being Barrero. I, I, who knows? I, I just don't know. That's 
I do think there might be something to the David Bell feels like he got um, yeah, shamed a little bit by Barrero because he he was all like, oh, Barrero's coming up, and he is our shortstop from now on, period, duh. And then he got a week. You know, <laughs> then it didn't work. But yeah. Hopefully he learned from that just to not say something as period, duh. Because he did. He, he David Bell was all on board. Well, David Bell's got a little bit of he's got a little bit of NFL coaching him with, you know, making ridiculous claims about injuries and talking just to talk. Yeah. And I know, you know, you get interviewed all the time before and after every game, all of that. But sometimes he I mean, like especially with the injuries, like he's trying to be coy when you're like thirty games under funded. I understand. I thought it was gonna be hard a more flaw manager than David than than, than Price than Brian Price. But God damn it, they did it. They found somebody that was even less easy to figure out what the hell's going on in the damn head than Brian Bryce. David Bell. He seems to have controlled the his anger issues, smile. though. You know, I mean, well, you see passion on the field, but you never never hear it in a damn interview. That's what I'm saying. You know? I, I think he's got a little bit of NFL coach anywhere. The, the quote-unquote coach speak of um, – Somebody asks you a question, and instead of answering it, you talk in circles for three minutes kind of thing. Yeah. So, Wick kind of touched on it right before he had to go, but the other players that are potentially available for the Reds, obviously Tyler Miley, he had another quality start tonight. Uh, Another guy that you kind of wish you would hang on to, but if you're going to trade him, What's the what's the expectation of a return, uh, Doug? Yeah, what? I'm glad you called on me first because I can't I can't stay much longer. Okay. Um, <laughs> so so with with Mally, it, it's interesting because well we know he can't go to Toronto, True. and I know that Bobby Nightingale of the Enquirer spoke to him about his vaccination situation, and he wasn't fully committal that he would not get vaccinated if he got traded. But it seemed pretty much like he was saying it's probably not going to happen. Which, if you're a team in the American League East, are you really going to trade for him? Or if you, even if you are interested, are you going to give up as much, knowing that hey, you know, if we have to go back to Toronto this year, he can't go. Uh, and if you're, even if you're just an American League team, you know, Toronto's probably going to make the playoffs. Yep. Well, you know, I mean, trade the Yankees, for guys that you can't pitch in the playoffs. Yankees traded for Andrew Benintendi, and he's not vaccinated either. But apparently, he, the, he the got rumor was he, he said that he would get vaccinated. Oh, well, yeah. I guess for so, yeah. yeah. So that, he, that, that, that apparently, he has. Well, that does so change things. Yeah, that, that changes things a little bit. Um, I, I don't. I, I just. I just don't know what your realistic expectations can be given that situation. Um, you know, if your basically entire market is now just the National League, I mean, how much bargaining power do you have there? I, I don't know. I, I just, I mean, you know, because the, the Yankees need, or at least they feel like they need, pitching. Now, do they feel that Tyler Malley's the kind of guy that fits what they need? That I, I don't know. Um, you know, they, they play in a ballpark that is, similar in a sense to great American ballpark that it's very home run friendly. And well, we know that that's kind of what's hurt Tyler Malley at great American ballpark is that he just gives up too many home runs there. So, I mean, maybe he's not a good fit for them and that wouldn't matter anyways, but I, I just, it's just such a weird situation that I don't really know what you should be expecting in return for Tyler Malley, given all that's going on. Well, obviously, I don't think you get anywhere near the return as you got for Luis Castillo, but uh, I don't know. I would I would hope, considering he's what he's just now going to arbitration, correct, or has he been one year? No, I mean he's he's got it's the insane. same contract status as Luis Castillo. He's a free agent after next year. Oh, so a year and a half. I mean, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that you could get, say, a team's number, you know eight and 12 prospect for him, something like that. Um, somebody who really needs pitching. Uh, I don't know if the, the twins fit that bill or uh, somebody along those lines, but I mean, obviously I'd put it somewhere around a 
um, not not a blockbuster deal, but just a, a a deal with somebody coming back who at least has a shot at making the majors. Not one of these throwaway trades like the say like the Tucker Barnhart trade when you got a, a no a nothing prospect. Which shout out to was it Nick Quintana or whatever, but. I don't and know. He's, he's having by far his best season in the minors. Like he he's actually hitting a little bit and showing life at the plate for the first time in his professional career. So, I mean, maybe maybe he's got a future as a utility kind of player. But I mean, for a guy who had hit what 180 <laughs> in two seasons before that, um, hey, you know, sometimes sometimes things work out a little bit better than you expected. Brian, what? Uh... What's your expectation on a Tyler Malley return if he's dealt? Um, I'd say it really just depends on where he's being dealt. Um, because you know we can say a team's you know back half of the top ten pro- prospects. Uh, I mean that the. The back half of the Dodgers top ten is way different than the Rockies. Yeah. You know? That kind of that kind of thing. Um, you know, so I, I think it's difficult. I think his best fits are, are definitely the Dodgers. Um, I also feel as though the Padres could be a great fit for him as far as, as far as ballparks go. Um you know, I think you can expect to get a legitimate major league uh minor league baseball player prospect type guy like not a not a top name like they got for castillo but definitely someone in that definitely someone a top, a top 100 prospect we'll say that i'd say you're gonna at least get one top 100 prospect out like of a throw in or something and then somebody who's you know 18 19 year old you know, kid who has live arm or has a bunch of power, things of that nature. So, you know, in my opinion, I think right now the pitching market, it's basically it's down to Montas and, and Mali. Yeah, I mean, the, you might have, and I don't know if the A's would like, you know, maybe move Cole Irwin or uh, somebody like that. But yeah, I, you're right that somehow the Reds had two of the probably three best available starting pitchers on the market. And I don't know. It's, it's a tough call because Tyler Malley's also one of those guys that like you get him away from great American ballpark and how, how good is he going to be? Because I mean, his, them, his splits are just unreal. <laughs> right. Or, you know, you get him away from great American ballpark, you put him in Yankee stadium and how bad is he going to be? Right. Yeah. You know that, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it, honestly, though, like if they if they talk to the Dodgers, and they let's say they can pull, let's say they pull Maddox Bruns, and you know, uh, a Luis Rodriguez, who is a outfielder in A ball. Maddox Bruns was their first round pick last year, if I remember correctly, and he's an A ball pitch decent. He's a left hander. I mean, that that's a great return, in my opinion. I think that's a great yeah. return for him. That's a couple of guys that, that you can dream on, you know, it's, but the, the difference is, you know, you can do that kind of a deal with somebody like the Dodgers. But, you know, if you're going and talking to, you know, the Padres, well, then it's like, well, <laughs> the, the Padres system is, is not as deep as what the Dodgers system is. So you got to ask for more, in my opinion, from there. Yeah, yeah um, um, I think you're I think you're absolutely correct that it just depends on the system and who people are willing to give up for him. Right. Right. Exactly. I've got a different thing. Go ahead, Branch. We're going to do some like mind sucking here. No. (laughs) Uh, I'm waiting for Zach Thompson straight up to St. Louis because you already know that he can't pitch in Great American Ballpark. He's a perfect Cardinals pitcher, little mouth and all. (laughs) <laughs> got a tiny you mouth know, uh, Cali. and you get Zach Thompson from the Cardinals who I mean with any luck he's like you know doesn't suck at GABP so you just trade him straight up to the Cardinals let the Cardinals have him every time he comes back to Great American Ballpark we just like fucking like 
you know, place balls in, you know, deep center, and that's where they all go. And you know what the best thing about Zach Thompson is, right? Not a thing. No, I don't. He went to Kentucky. Uh, Yeah, he was a Kentucky guy. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm – I mean, he's a solid pitcher, one for one. I mean, you're getting a proven major leaguer to an unproven major leaguer. There you go. Just trade it up. Make it happen. Make it happen. All right, fellas. I I, I got to run. You got to run. I got to run as well. All right, well. I got to run too. I guess that will will just end it here then. We'll just wrap it up real quick. We'll wrap things up. I guess we won't even do uh, going around the room then if everybody's got to go. So, (laughs) Uh, just going to give a shout out to Ram and Uncle Ram because we didn't do that yet. And uh, we will be back maybe next week. We didn't even talk about the draft, but we'll we'll, we'll figure that out. Doug, thanks for coming on. Um, real quick, where would you slot the Reds' first round pick if you had to today? Slot him like, on your rankings of prospects. Oh. I mean, not including the two new guys either. Um, I don't know. Third, fourth, somewhere in there. I don't. I don't know. I have ranked fourth. To, to to be determined. To be determined. All right. So for Doug and Branch and Ryan and then Wick, who had to leave already, uh, this is Coop saying we will talk to you later. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, where the-